On this beautiful Christmas morning, our scripture comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Glad to see you here. Really, I'm glad to see you here because I was watching TV last night. We're watching a Christmas movie. And scrolling along the bottom half of the TV was one church after another who had canceled for Christmas morning. It, it just kept going and kept going. And I thought, that's, that's really sad. But anyway, I'm glad you're here. And I've, I've got my Christmas tie on. I only wear it once a year. Um, someone noted that I should wear it to an IU basketball game because it would work for that as well. But I don't wear ties to IU basketball games. <laughs> But I thought maybe, uh, Dr. Horn, when you sing the national anthem, I'll let you borrow it (laughs) next time you sing the national anthem for the basketball game. It really is good to have you here uh, on this Christmas morning. You know, there's there's two stories that dominate our Christmas imagination. And so, kids, you're going to have to help me tell the adults what the two stories are. 
The first story is about what kind of people who are out in the field? Shepherds. Somebody said shepherds, okay? The second story that dominates our imagination about Christmas is some people that brought gifts to Jesus. And they were the wise man, right? So I want to focus on both of those stories this morning for just a few minutes. First, let's start with the shepherds because that came from our reading this morning in Luke's gospel. The story about the wise men comes from Matthew's gospel. The story about the shepherds, which comes from Luke's gospel, is very interesting. I talked a bit about shepherds a couple of weeks ago, so I'm not going to spend this much time talking about them. But I do want to remind you of what shepherds were like. Shepherds were people who cared for sheep. As a matter of fact, they protected their sheep, they provided for their sheep, and they are always present with their sheep. And as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, it reminds us of our good shepherd, Jesus Christ, who provides, protects, and is always present. But there's something else about shepherds. Shepherds were absolutely essential for the regional economy. There were shepherds everywhere and sheep everywhere. And people depended on the shepherds and on the sheep for the wool from the lambs. However, and this is a big however, these shepherds, even though they were really important to the local economy, they were underprivileged workers. They didn't have a lot. They served the sheep and they served the people very quietly, all alone, sometimes rather impoverished on the hillside. As a matter of fact, if you remember your Bible stories, you may remember the time where Joseph went to Egypt and then his family followed him. And when his family arrived in Egypt, Joseph told them at Pharaoh's palace, my, my family are shepherds. And the response was, oh, okay. They can live in Goshen because Egyptians don't eat with shepherds. So not only were they underprivileged economically, they were part of an important labor force. They were underestimated, really underappreciated. It's probably true that the shepherds were also very undereducated. Not exactly university students, right? They grew up tending sheep. There's the shepherds. We've got a picture of them over there. Now I want to think about the wise men. The wise men of a completely different category. As a matter of fact, what we understand about the wise men is only a little bit. So we kind of fill in the gaps. We kind of remember things about the tradition that help us to know who they must have been. And what was the tradition like? The tradition was that the wise men that we see in the Bible in Matthew chapter 2 were likely from Babylon. And they were probably from the king's court. 
And more than that, they studied philosophy and astrology. Now, today we don't think too much about the movement of the stars, but back then they considered it to be a really important subject. So they studied astrology, they studied philosophy, they were very well-educated individuals. As a matter of fact, you may remember another Old Testament story. The other Old Testament story is about Nebuchadnezzar. When Nebuchadnezzar was the ruler of the people of Israel, he'd actually taken many of the people of Israel into captivity. And among those people were Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel became one of the wise men in the court. And what we think is probably true is that the influence on the wise men concerning a star in the east probably came from Daniel and Jewish literature that talked about the Messiah. So these very well-educated men had been searching Jewish literature to think about the coming of a new king. What's also maybe more interesting to the adults than the kids is when the Jewish people re-inherited their land, many, many of the Jewish population stayed behind in Babylon. And there were significant what we might call learning centers or study centers of Jewish study in Babylon. So here are the wise men influenced by Jewish study, trying to understand who this new king is. And so they travel to Bethlehem. What was the journey like? It was an interesting journey, a long journey. As a matter of fact, based on our estimations, it probably was a 900-mile journey to Bethlehem. It probably took three months to get there. And, you know, a common expectation in the first century was that there was something special about Judea. There's a Roman author named Suetonius who said this. He said, throughout the whole of the East, that's where the wise men came from, there spread an old and persistent belief. Destiny had decreed that at that time men coming forth from Judea would seize power and rule the world. So as the wise men are studying and seeing the alignment of the planets and the stars, they're thinking to themselves, it's time for that king. And when they see the star in the east, they begin to travel. They didn't get on a train, of course. They didn't get in a car, of course. They probably rode on camels. One of the reasons we're pretty sure they rode on camels is because no other animal could go 900 miles across desert lands to get to Judea. So kids, when you see those pictures of camels, it's probably true. The wise men were probably on them. You know what's interesting about camels? Again, mostly for the kids, but you adults can pretend like you're interested. What's interesting about camels is they can... They can carry a 600-pound load on their backs. They can travel 70 miles a day. And you know those humps on their backs. 
You might call them water reservoirs. They store up a lot of water in their bodies. So walking through extreme heat, now this seems impossible, but it's true. They could go 10 to 15 days without any water. No wonder it's likely the wise men came on camels. They also have special padded feet for the desert sands. And they're particularly well equipped to travel long distances. But here's something else about camels. Camels are expensive. Back then and even today. You know what that means about the wise men? They were wealthy. It's quite likely the wise men had lots of attendants and even guards to make sure people didn't steal their goods. They were wealthy enough to hire people to be with them, and they were wealthy enough to have camels. Any idea what a camel might cost today? It could cost up to $20,000, one camel. These were wealthy men, unlike the shepherds, who were probably poor. Educated men, unlike the shepherds, who were probably undereducated. Do you see the contrast? It's a picture of diversity. It's a picture of people coming to worship Jesus Christ from every walk of life. It's an early picture about how Jews and Gentiles have inherited their king. The Gentiles from Babylon and the shepherds from the area of Judea. The Messiah is for everyone. There's something else about the contrast between the shepherds and the wise men. The shepherds were in a field, and they had a dramatic encounter with the heavenly host out of nowhere. They weren't studying books. By contrast, the wise men, not a dramatic encounter out of nowhere, but just seeking the truth through intellectual endeavors. Again, do you see the beautiful diversity? We live in a town of overwhelmingly intellectual endeavor. But we also live in a town, like every other town, of people who are relatively undereducated. And Jesus and the Christian faith penetrate every single level of society. And they call you to worship. Sometimes I think we forget how remarkable the Christian faith is and how international it was from the start. There was the cultural insider, the Jewish shepherds, and there was a the cultural outsider, Babylonian magi. By the way, do you ever wonder what they knew? 
what they really understood. I want to suggest, I think, with good reason, very little. Very little at all. It could be that the Jewish shepherds had a little better understanding of Messiah. It could also be that the Jewish shepherds, like many of the common folk in Palestine, were just expecting a king that would rule over their nation and take them out of the heavy hand of Rome. It could be. It could be that the wise men were looking at the possibility of a new king emerging in the east that would dominate the whole region like the Babylonian Empire once did. And they didn't want to be standing on the outside looking in. You see, we don't know what their knowledge was, do we? All we know is that they recognized the king and worshiped. It reminds me of something. Our knowledge is incomplete too. Yes, we know God. Yes, we know the story of Jesus Christ. But we only know a tiny bit. Because God is so great and so beyond our complete comprehension. So what do we do? No matter what we know, what do we do? With the knowledge we have, we worship. I don't know how many people I've run into over the years who say something like this. I just don't think I know enough for faith. I don't think I know enough I don't know all the things that all these people around me know. I'm intimidated by the level of understanding concerning the faith. And I want to say to them and to you, don't. With the knowledge you have of God, come to the manger and worship. It's the appropriate response. Or in the words of the song that uh, Adam and Ella just sang, for all who pray and wonder, here is your Emmanuel. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for revealing yourself in the person of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the revelation of the scripture, which seems to be a well of knowledge that we can never reach the bottom of. Thank you for that. Thank you for experiences in life that teach us more and more about who you are as we encounter your grace and your mercy and your power and your majesty. So teach us, Lord, more and more about who you are. And as we learn, may our knowledge not become arrogant, but even more humble. And as we learn with the knowledge that we have, May we worship. In the name of Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.